are continuing our conversation with cattle medicine. I discussed how my clinic grew from 2010 to 2018 and the services I offered. Remember I said in the last episode how my cattle services had peaked? Let's take a look at the next few years and see how when I offer even more services those numbers start to drop. Cattle medicine is one of the most honorable parts of veterinary medicine. Why? Sure, it's great helping your dog named Fluffy. It makes a big difference in your life. But vets started out fighting diseases in cattle to help keep America's food supply safe. When we work on cattle, we are continuing to help not an individual, but the whole. However, as noble as it is, nobility doesn't make financial sense all the time. 2019 came along and I started remodeling a building to act as my brick-and-mortar vet clinic versus just being an ambulatory clinic. I figured this would help. Calves could be hauled in so I could see more than one of them at a time versus me driving a half an hour for one calf then driving another half an hour for another calf and so on. I was also able to complete health certificates at the clinic for less price than the farm call. While I still had to go out for big cows that required more than health certificates, that would certainly help clients and myself by being able to see the little cows at the clinic. I also increased the amount of services I had as I purchased more supplies that I could have on hand for small animals that would also be usable for cattle. Previously, it didn't make sense to have certain things on hand, but with the increased small animal volume, it did now. At this point, I had people complaining they couldn't get their animals to me. What do you mean you can't get your 50-pound calf to me? You got your 100-pound dog to me yesterday. Why wouldn't they work with me? I felt like I was offering more, but I needed to look at the cost of providing cattle medicine. First, remember cattle medicine is actually semi-productive except for the actual medicines. The drugs to treat cattle cost money, but the supplies you need are typically simple. Scalpels are cheap. I've had one calf jack, which I love, for my entire career. Lab tests for cattle don't have a high markup, but are cheap to run. So when I work on a cow, besides the medicine, I was making profit. On the flip side, cattle medicine is slow. My clients rarely used head gates, and those that did took time to get animal in a head gate. Sometimes I would be at a cow call making $300 on the cow, but it would take me hours depending on the drive time. If I saw a horse or multiple dogs at the office, I could easily double that number, and all without the 30 minutes the farmer was trying to catch their cow. With a calf, I rarely made more than $120 to $150 because there was only so much I could do for a calf, practically. Financially, I lost money doing farm calls for calves. One client called me out for his 100 head herd three times and never had them up. I never did any work on them. Actually, the clients were never at the appointment. I showed up. The barn was empty, the cows were in the field, and called the owner, and he said he had forgotten. I sighed and looked at the cows in the backfield as they contently ate grass, and I went home. He scheduled again, and I only went out twice. The second time with no animals and no one at the barn, where I had my entire day blocked out on my schedule, 
I thusly informed the cattle client to find someone else. I could make money on doing cattle work, but the time it was costing me for flaky clients or owners trying to handle their cows so I could work on them was a monumental loss as the business grew. I didn't have time to stand around because more people wanted in the door. Not to mention the cattle clients were a burden on my staff. Cattlemen constantly called saying they had bought medication from someone else or somewhere else and wanted to know what dose of medication they should give. Well, we didn't know what the medication was, so we couldn't help them. They would also ask 15 minutes of questions to my staff and then not schedule. They would complain that we requested they, that they had a cow caught before my arrival. They would even lie and say that they had caught the cow and upon my arrival there was a cow a mile back in the field. When I kept looking at the numbers, I saw my cattle services kept shrinking, which didn't make sense. My practice was growing. I offered more services and cattle clients seemed to use less. Dog and cat services increased like crazy. Goat services stayed pretty constant. But what was going on with the cattle people? I felt like I was doing good, but then things changed and by 2021 sales dropped consistently where cattle grossed only $14,000, which was 3.2% of my business. Certainly my business was growing in other areas, which explained the percentage drop, but other cattle vets had retired, left, or shut down, so I was one of the few cattle veterinary sources left. Why had my gross numbers not gone up? If they were using a veterinarian, the odds were ever in my favor that they should be using me, and I was offering more services for them than ever. Why were gross sales not at least staying consistent? I'm a single vet practice and needed reliable clients. I couldn't even justify hiring a cattle veterinarian because even at its height of grossing 34000 a year, that was not a veterinarian's salary. And no vet would move into the area just doing cattle. They could not support themselves. From 2018 to 2021, my cattle business had decreased by over 50% with me actively trying to grow it and other practices shutting down their cattle medicine. There was no indication that this trend would change. People may have cattle, but they didn't want the professional services of a veterinarian. They wanted a drug dispenser and someone to help them out in an emergency. I compared this to another side of my business, my relief work. I loved relief work, but it was sort of like cattle work. It took my full attention and I couldn't deal with other clients as well while at the relief work because I had to do the job in front of me. For percent of my business, my relief work tended to be about 10% of the business. By the pandemic, I cut my relief work to 0%. While I missed the interactions with my colleagues, my business grew considerably and my schedule was much less chaotic. Would cattle be the same if I stopped seeing them? When my business increased, which was essential to providing long-term large animal services, the natural sequela was I couldn't go right out to clients without charging emergency fees. Many owners found that the emergency fees, which were acceptable for pet owners, were not justifiable for a cattle expense. But I couldn't have different fees for both people. 
that got messy and a lot of times they were the same people. I also knew I was worth my emergency fees because pet owners paid it and like I just said a lot of the pet owners that paid it were also cattle owners. That didn't make my services less valuable for cattle so if I couldn't get out that day they would decide not to have me out or wait for a regular appointment to have me out. That made the problem worse and potentially unfixable. I had multiple clients with emergencies wait a few days to call me. They knew the emergency needed to be dealt with quickly but decided to schedule an appointment. I couldn't save those animals. They waited too long. A change had to be made. My staff was constantly frustrated that cattle clients were upset that we would not hand them out drugs. We found we had two types of cattle clients. The clients that used us and brought their other animals to us or had us out once a year for their cows to maintain a VCPR. And two, a large group of cattle clients that called us once every few years for an emergency they couldn't handle that needed to be taken care of right then which was invariably when I had other appointments who had scheduled or late at night when I was trying to rest. Sure, emergency calls are what veterinarians deal with, but the work I put in was affecting the entire clinic. I was tired and my loyal customers were not receiving me at my best. I wanted to give people who loyally supported me my best care. I didn't want to be exhausted by people who used me every three years and not give the loyal clients who were in all the time good service. Every vet will deal with this situation their own way, but here's the route I took. After each year adding something and adapting for cattle clients, I finally had to say it was time to start cutting back. I had to listen to what cattle clients' actions were telling me to do, not their words. So I decided to start cutting cattle services. After a great amount of discussion with my staff, I decided that only clients with, with active accounts, i.e. an animal seen, whether it be dog, cat, horse, cow, guinea pig, or parrot in the last year, would be seen. No new cattle clients would be seen unless they made an active account with another animal. We would continue serving the people who were clients and used us as a service to them. I would only continue to treat my loyal clients. If you won't follow my advice and work with me yearly to maintain your herd, or at least maintain your other animals with me, I wasn't going to go out of my way to help you for the one emergency late at night every few years. I needed the cattle community to wake up. I needed them to realize if they didn't invest in a veterinarian, a veterinarian would not invest in them. In 2021, 46 cattlemen used my services and that grossed me around $14,000. 43% of that was five clients. Looking at the numbers, I was offering a service for a handful of clients and was not consistently generating income or medical change. Those numbers told me I was right to make the change I did. This is something I should have done a long time ago. I talked to the previous owner of the practice whom I had bought the large animals practice from back in 2013. He told me years before I bought that business, consultants had informed him 
they needed to cut their large animal side of the business. I talked to three other business other owners locally and from different regions and told them my practice scenario and the numbers associated with the cattle business and all of them gave me the same advice. I should stop cattle completely. As a business person, I figured I should stop before I was forced to stop. I didn't want to abandon the people that had been loyal to me though. It probably was a poor business decision, we'll see, but an emotional decision to keep offering ser cattle services to my loyal clients. But I was not going to keep helping people who weren't helping me and that were dragging me and my business down. So how did this shake out? Personally, my dream for cattle and local industry was not being achieved. I feel the big corporations have a place in the world, in the country, there for exports and for helping local economies in times of need. But I would love to see my food locally sourced. In my area, there are enough cows around to be a good portion of the beef in the local stores. The corporations could make their money selling overseas or selling to fill in the gaps that local produce couldn't meet for the meat. Or in an emergency, for example, when a bad winter killed all the local cows, big corporations could sell to the locals which couldn't get it more primarily sourced. I wanted to walk down to the local butcher and see the cow that was going to go on my dinner table. Alas, the only people more stubborn than an outdoor vet are the cattle producers. They could never organize for something like that. Nor could I or anyone I talked to finance such an operation. So that was just a pipe dream. But back to the conversation. I often say I'm the only cattle vet in the area right now. A few other vets would see some cows if they weren't busy with their small animals, but as they aged, each of them tended to see less and less cattle. In the four counties I traveled to, not one of them had another vet that worked on cattle for more than a hobby. To the west of me was one person that would work on cows, and to the south of and southwest, two more clinics respectively. It was a weird feeling when I declined my first cattle call. It was after hours. I had just gotten home after a full day and was preparing a little dinner. It was cold out, and I was glad to finally be able to get warm having been in and out of the cold all day. A cattle producer called. He'd been working with a cow for a while and couldn't get a calf out. I don't know how long he was working, but typically this means a few hours at minimum. So that meant they waited until I got off work to call. Probably not consciously, and maybe not in this case, but just playing the odds on what happened in my head while I was talking to him, I think he waited till after he had tried and after normal business operating hours to call me. This producer had used me for about eight years. Although I had recommended many times, he had not yet gotten a head gate. His herd had Yoni's disease and bovine leukemia in it, and he had not followed any of my advice for dealing with those diseases. My staff knew him as the cattle guy who called up and asked for drugs, but didn't know what the drugs he wanted were because he could only describe the size of the pill and give a general color of the pill he wanted. Since I use injectable drugs, my staff were utterly confused and both staff and client left the co phone conversation frustrated that the other could not help them get the information they wanted. 
and he pretty much used me on a schedule. Not a good schedule. He would need services about every two years. He was a good man. I liked him. But was he a good client? No. Was he a good cattleman? I hate to say it, but he sold cows and which had yonis. This could hurt other herds. This could hurt other people's finances. I would say that makes him a bad cattleman because he is spreading a non-curable disease. Did he use me for his dogs and cats and horses? No. Looking back, half the issues he used me for were after hours. As I listened to him on the phone, he wasn't rude, just in disbelief that I wouldn't come. I informed him he could use the next closest vet I could recommend who worked on cattle. That one was about an hour further away. The producer would probably have to haul to that vet. I felt bad that I couldn't help him. But as it turned out, the next day I had a client with a call with a cow prolapse. The client brought their dogs and cats to me and had me out for cows once a year and they had an emergency now. We went out and fixed the prolapse. It interrupted my day for sure, but those clients had supported me, so I supported them. And I had gotten a good night's sleep the night before by not seeing someone that only supported me in times of crisis. I served my clients and gave the person who wasn't my client information of how he could be helped. To me that was good and maybe might send some shockwaves to the cattle producers that they need to change how they operate if they want veterinary services. And that is the thing about this. I had mixed emotions about the change because we obviously need cattle and it's important and I feel important helping with the skills I had. But it's a two-way street. I had to change or I would be miserable personally and running a poor business. The vet-client-patient relationship is a two-way street. You can't treat a patient without a vet and a client working together. After so long of the clients not wanting to be good clients and working with me, the vet decides they can't provide the services needed. So like I do with everything in the business, I reevaluate. Maybe there will be a boom and cattle services will return, but it will take a clientele that realizes it has to move into the 21st century of cattle medicine. Some other timely information. I typically write my podcast with my Facebook open so I can chat with my fiance as I'm writing. I notice a post from a fellow veterinarian's practice. They operate an equine practice and had just posted how they decided not to see emergencies for horses did, that did not stay current on their recommended yearly wellness protocol. I balked while writing this. This seems so bold for the vet, but made me feel good about my cattle decisions. I'm not the only one having to make these decisions about cutting back services. This practice probably saw more horses than I did and was limiting their services. I hadn't considered being so strict with my emergency protocols on such a broad scale, but I understood their reasoning. It was a lot of late night work in preventable situations for, I use the term lightly, clients who were not, who were not investing or being loyal to their clinic, and a lot of times they weren't being loyal to their animals. This clinic was big enough that they wanted to provide quality services to their loyal client base not mediocre service to loyal clients, but quality service. 
And that's all they were able to do. Mediocre service because they were exhausted from the people using them in a pinch. I bring this up as a warning, not as a chastisement to clients. You have to work with your vet and your vet with you. If your vet is working in large animal medicine, whether it be horses or cattle, they could go elsewhere in the veterinary field. They can't keep a practice afloat by emergencies alone. Don't force your vet to not offer services you need. Remember, your lay equine dentist is likely not legally allowed to float your horse's teeth. The southern states manager probably doesn't know how to properly dose the drugs he sells, and certainly won't help you pull a calf at midnight. And even your ag agent who is giving you free stuff forgets that freedom to choose the inexpensive route does not come without a price. Your vet may tell you they can only take care of your dog because that's the only thing you will pay for. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. I hope our discussions are valuable to you and aid in giving perspective. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud. If you find this information helpful and want more content, please join our Patreon, patreon.com slash theveterinarypodcast. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theveterinarypodcast. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope this information is helpful to you. If you do find it helpful, please like it, share it, so other people may find it helpful as well.